0: And welcome to this podcast series, This PhD Thinks, with me, Jovina Ang. I'm here to talk to the PhD community. Talking to these individuals have challenged me, made me think differently, and helped me grow as a leader and a person. And I hope you'll be able to take away a thing or two from the conversations with my guests.
1: For CEOs in particular, They have to make so many decisions. There, I think the benefit is really for decision-making. And that's also, I think, what several of them would would say, right?
0: Hello, everyone. My guest for this episode is Johan Reb. Johan is a professor at Singapore Management University, a mindfulness scholar, teacher, as well as a practitioner for over 20 years. Johan, it's so great to have you on a podcast.
1: First of all, thanks for having me, Javina. Uh, it's uh, my pleasure to be here.
0: And thank you for making time to share with us your insights about mindfulness. So Johan, how did you develop an interest in mindfulness?
1: How did my interest develop? It's uh, quite a long time ago, so I have to think about this a bit. For me, it started as a teenager, actually.
0: Oh, so it's and actually more than 20 years then. Uh, it's more, it's like... more
1: than that even, yeah. Uh, and it was not so much an interest in mindfulness because the topic, the concept at the time, it was not so popular, right, at the time. So it was more an interest in meditation and in Eastern philosophy. And that really was then got a big boost when I did an exchange program in Japan okay. when I was a student. Um, so I was interested before and, you know, did some meditation by myself. But then when I went to Japan, I could practice Zen meditation more regularly twice a week you know sitting that so then you always sit like for 40 minutes and so on and then you walk we do a bit of walking meditation and then you sit again so that's when i started to meditate more intensively and then meditation i see that's quite similar to what we nowadays do as part of a mindfulness uh, secular mindfulness uh, practice actually so that's where my interest came from already and started I think it's partly, for me, it was always, I had the feeling there must be something more to life than what you can see. Like, right. you, know, you see the world as it is, but there must be something more, right? And that's partly, you know, you, uh, I think the approach of meditation is partly to look inside for that right, and see, hey, there must be, you explore the inside more, you explore your mind and so on, and then you try to find something more there. So for me, that was kind of a motivation. Um, yeah, in addition with just I guess, just also coping, coping with the challenges of life.
0: So so, so you're saying that mindfulness has helped you basically with two, with two things. One is to help you better cope with life. And the second thing is to help you explore your inner being. Maybe you can tell us more. What did you discover about yourself by exploring your inner being then?
1: I mean, <laughs> to be honest, I think... The motivations—that's um, not necessarily then what I get out of it. Or at the same time, I think you know that exploration. I think is still ongoing, and I don't know if there. are, Certainly for me, there's not a the clear answer to that. Right? You just keep on exploring and learning something about yourself and so on. So that's kind of a never-ending journey. I think an unintended benefit that's for me maybe a key benefit also if i think about it you know in terms of working also and you know being having family and having children and so on is that the practice has brought me much more calmness. calmness and with that i think goes some clarity of mind also and that does not really was i was looking for so much as a teenager i would say when i started in a young adult but once i got into working life you know and you have more responsibility and again family responsibilities i think that's just been immensely valuable for me that yeah you know, life is still kind of challenging of course and sometimes it's crazy right um john kabat right the founder of mindfulness-based stress reductions famous book full catastrophe living right so life often is like a full catastrophe but then uh you can kind of come back to calmness more quickly. That's at least my experience, right? And then you feel like your mind is gets clearer more quickly, uh and, and, and you know, it's not so long affected by things, right? And then and that really I think helps just with the decisions that you make, right? From a more calmer, clearer mind and with your behaviors, right? Acting in a in a calmer manner, right? Um so to to reduce conflicts uh, 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 and, and and so on. Yeah.
0: Right, right. Do you think that's the reason why uh, famous CEOs like Mark Benioff of Salesforce.com and Ariana Huffington have, is that the reason why they've become such mindfulness avids because of they want to achieve this calmer mind? Or do you think that's something else that's driving all these CEOs across the world to be so uh embracing of mindfulness
1: that's a great question i think that is part of it i suspect right i think for ceos in particular they have to make so many decisions there i think the benefit is really for decision making and that's also i think what several of them would would say right i mean there's so much going on in their lives so their attention is overloaded I, I think it's true for all of us nowadays especially right 24 7 connectivity and so on we have this overload of data of attention uh, everything is demanding our attentions for ceo is even more so then and they have to make so many decisions so if the mind is not clear and calm you know how how, how is that even possible so i think they really see that benefit
0: You've been studying and researching on mindfulness for many, many years already. Um, what is one thing that you found that is an, an important insight that people don't know about, other than a calmer mind, better decision making? What else do we not know about mindfulness?
1: That's also a really good question. I think one thing that people think is that mindfulness is really about stress reduction right because that's how it started so i think in uh, quite a few people's minds it's it's limited to that oh you know people do mindfulness because they're stressed and then they want to relax more right and so on which is true right i mean there's a lot of research behind that right i mean that's the biggest research base and evidence behind that and that is great but i think the example of the ceo and the question that you raised shows that actually mindfulness can be much more than that I think CEOs also, of course, they they they, they stressed out oftentimes. Um, right, um, entrepreneurs also. My my current PhD student Eva Peters, she's interested in mindfulness and entrepreneurs, right? One th- one emerging topic is now entrepreneurship and well being, right? Because they often are stressed out because so much to do, just like CEOs. So that is a big topic. But also a big theme is for them as well, decision-making. Entrepreneurs have to make very crucial decisions right? that, that can decide the fate right, of the venture. So making good decisions is important, and it hasn't been recognized so much in the past. Right? And that is something that I think we see more, though, from if we look at people like CEOs and if we look at some of the research that I've also been interested in, the topic that I'm interested in, and also you know, some of them, other courses like the mindfulness-based strategic awareness training course that focuses more on strategy strategic awareness and decision making so that's something that people have not been aware of enough and i think the other thing is if i could add is the interpersonal side of mindfulness i think is also people have not been aware enough um, that you know mindfulness can transcend ourselves but for oftentimes we of course We go to it and we want to feel better ourselves, but there is an interpersonal side to it. That's something that others and I have found in our research, for example, on leader mindfulness, right? So what we found is that when leaders are more mindful, actually the people around them also seem to benefit. The employees are more satisfied with their jobs. The employees, they they think more highly of the leader, for example, but, but they also feel better. So there is a beautiful interpersonal side to it.
0: Right. So what you're saying is that mindfulness can help people to be more socially connected and also being and also be more aware of other people's needs.
1: Exactly. Right. So socially connected and understanding also of what's going on around them, right? By by paying more attention to their environment in, in, in this mindful way, in this open way, curious way, non-judging way, right? Where they're kind of really interested also in their employees and the people around them, the world around them. Then apparently that also feels like from the other side, when you're the receiver of this attention, oh, you know, my boss is really paying attention to me. <laughs> That's nice. You know, my boss is kind of respecting me, right, rather than doing something else at the same time while I'm trying to have a conversation with her or him, right? So employees then or the team members feel treated fairly, right? They're treated with respect and they appreciate that, right? Uh, and then also from the, the supervisor and the leader side, they maybe understand exactly what you're saying, what, what the employee needs, what the team needs. Because they're more aware.
0: So I want to sort of turn to the flip side. What is one thing that people get wrong about mindfulness? Because you know, there's so much out there, and in terms of being aware and so on. But is that something that people get often get wrong about mindfulness or what it means?
1: I mean, the first thing would be related to that, right? That people think of mindfulness too narrowly. They think either it's about just about stress reduction and about being in the present moment and not not thinking about the future or not thinking about the past so they think sometimes think about it in a in a way that is too narrow i think and the other um the other issue i still experience quite a lot um is that people think of it as something religious and spiritual only okay and they say oh it's not for me because it's spiritual it's religious so i'm and currently at smu i'm teaching uh uh professional development workshop for the postgraduate students, which is, you know, meditation and mindfulness for sustainable personal effectiveness. And then um students often share that, you know, before the workshop I thought mindfulness is not for me or mindfulness is only something about spirituality and about religion, right? Um and then they're surprised that they can be quite practical for their lives.
0: What oh, is one key takeaway wanna leave behind with the listeners? I, I let me maybe
1: give try to give two key takeaways <laughs> one is a more a more uh one is a more one is a more general takeaway which is again this theme that mindfulness i believe strongly mindfulness is something is very broad right um so a key takeaway i think is don't think of mindfulness as something very limited or or mindfulness is not for me in fact, i strongly believe nobody can avoid mindfulness. Because it's part of our everyday life. It's not something esoteric out there. It's not something about meditation or something like that. All of us, we are mindful, right? All of us, we have mind wandering. All of us, we we have to regulate our attention, right? As a researcher, I often think of mindfulness as a way of regulating our attention, self regulation of attention. And that is something we do all the time, right? We try to teach our kids so that they have developed good, effective ways of regulating their attention. We try to do it ourselves in terms of how we work with our smartphone and walking, multitasking, that that, that is not really so effective, but that we tend to do. So all of us, we regulate our attention. So all of us are affected by mindfulness, right? The ability to do that, to come back to the present moment, to stay with one thing at a time, to be fully focused on one thing. So a key takeaway is I think mindfulness is for everyone. I strongly believe that, right? it's, it's for everyone about living life, you know, more fully, experiencing more thriving, experiencing life fully, being clear in our minds, regulating our attentions, regulating our emotions. We all benefit from that. So I think that's, that's a key takeaway. Everybody, don't think that mindfulness is not for you. Mindfulness is for everyone. And the second one I think is more practical is um, try it out. Right, um, you know, it doesn't help to read article and article about mindfulness and how other people are interested in mindfulness. Ultimately, you have to try it out yourself and see how the experience is for you. So, I think that's important. Mindfulness is something that has to be experienced personally.
0: Right. So maybe I can sort of um, get you to sort of elaborate a little bit about trying it out. What is one easy way of trying out mindfulness?
1: Yeah, um, I think an easy way is to do an everyday activity with paying full attention. Uh, There's a wonderful exercise that's done in the first session of the mindfulness-based stress reduction course. And also in other courses, it's called the Raisin Exercise, where the task is just to slowly eat a raisin basically but even before then just to look at it to, to, s- to smell it and so on to feel it and uh, basically you use an everyday object but you treat it very differently you, you give it full attention which is kind of being mindful right fully attentive to the object with curiosity so i think that's a great mindfulness activity that everybody can do with anything with a meal or just when you take a walk or commute to a uh, walk and just look around at the environment and give full attention. Or when you have a conversation with a friend or your partner or children, to give fully, be fully present, give full attention. And that's mindfulness. So I think that's a great first experience. Beyond that, you know, people can try out guided mindfulness meditations. There are many available on the internet or in apps. I think that's also a nice thing to do. Although that becomes a bit more formal, right? So I intentionally, I wanted to give an example of something that everybody can do in their daily lives, informally, whether that's mindfully brushing teeth or teeth or eating or whatever. But formal practice can also be done, and for those though, for those who are interested in more formal mindfulness meditation, I am still a kind of strong believer that it's good to take a course with a qualified instructor rather than only relying on apps. Because I do hear that that's feedback I do get a lot as well. That people say, Oh, now I understand it. Now I see what it means, right? I've been doing this with apps for some time and it was nice, but I I had certain misconceptions about mindfulness and how to practice it.
0: Thank you so much, Joven. That was a really jam packed session on mindfulness. Thank you for your time today.
1: You're very welcome, Jovina.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this PhD Thinks with me, Jovina Ang. Till next time, bye bye now.